Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes. metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I am Godless. And this is your so weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to us on the old iTunes and all that good stuff. You can uh, go there to search Metal Sucks Podcast. You can find us. You can subscribe and leave us a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. That would be much appreciated. Also, if you're Share on Stitcher. Us. Or anything else, you can get us all there. And uh, you can also find us on the social media and all that stuff. I am at Bearded Ape on Twitter. I am at Godless Speaks and GodlessSpeaks.com. So make sure you're uh, doing all that. Interacting. And it'll make things even better for you. The Share three, us with people. The hey, three-dimensional please. experience of the Metal Sucks podcast. It'll be fabulous. <laughs> and, of course, we post this thing on uh, Metal Sucks every Monday at uh, MetalSucks.net. You can find us there, and uh, if you haven't left a message for us, please do so, because, you know, we might talk about it, whatever that message happens to be. You can tell us uh, topic starters, you can uh, ask us questions, you can uh, just tell us how awesome we are, or whatever. I mean, well, you know, whatever you feel like uh, would float your boat. We would appreciate we got, like, that. Two or three, you now that we've got sort of backed up that we can't wait to put on. So that's kind of cool. I like that audience interaction. That's a good thing. So we always get some good responses about different stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, the EL segment, uh, one minute to midnight and that stuff. So, yeah, it's good stuff. I like it. This episode, we got tons of good stuff from none other oh. than Chris Adler. A couple people have heard of this band called Lamb of God, and uh, Chris Adler would be the drummer, and um, it's kind of uh, kind of awesome. They got a new record that's going to be coming down, and that's kind of awesome too. Yeah, I know. The even though I can't pronounce the name of the album, uh, Sturm und Drang. Uh, <laughs> hey, all right, you did well. Yeah, hey, all right. right. Yeah, that's not <laughs> bad there. All right, cool. Uh, there's dude, new song. We're going to listen to the latest song from uh from that album called Five One Two, which is wicked good. So that's uh, that's going to be coming up in this episode. And uh, Chris, this is all right. Just so all right for our longtime listeners, a we love you. <laughs> but b this you know every once in a while we have one of those interviews where we go okay people okay people you know this is a good one this yeah. is a good and and this is quite possibly my new number one i would Might say be my new number one this is one of the okay I've, I've done a lot of interviews over the years whether it's this podcast or with radio show or whatever i've never had an interview that went this way uh, to say that, <laughs> just the fact that we we did this basically this interview in two parts uh, because we were having trouble like getting the schedules right and all this stuff, and it was right as they were leaving for their European tour, and <laughs> and he got caught at the airport basically, so he had to like break the interview into two pieces, which is crazy. So and and the, and the is yeah, what was cool is that, like I thought like the first like part of the interview we had a pretty good interview yeah and we certainly i mean it's lamb of god and it's chris adler there's a million questions so by by no stretch had we really reached everything that we wanted to ask but if it had ended at that point it would have been like oh well all right awesome we got chris adler yeah it's pretty good he, yeah it, it was all good but then the back half happened we pick up two hours later right where we left off and the dude is 
uh, the back, you got to hold on to the back half. Yeah. Because A, we get the, the mega scoop of the century. We, uh, uh, regarding, uh, uh, Chris Adler and Megadeth, you have heard it nowhere else yet. And then, uh, and just like, just all the um, there's just a boatload of really cool information about recording and 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 his like view on drumming and his place in the metal world yeah. that it all sort of comes out in that back half it's it's if uh it, it, every once in a while you hear about how like people talk about one of the great ways to interview is like you know you spend like three hours talking and then you do the interview yeah that's almost the way it felt like it worked with here like we we spent a f- half hour talking and then we really get some good stuff and and uh, but and the front half was good too i don't know I, you know what i'm saying it was just it was it, the funniest thing to me was that when in the middle like because basically what happens they had to board his flight uh, and so we start in one city and then we wind up wind up in, in another city uh, in the second half because he had to fly somewhere and then get out the airplane talk to us again but the having having the press people call us in the middle of it go well, so why is he calling you back I was like oh, well hey man he's, he's going to call us back so we'll be sitting here waiting by the phone man it's all good I love it. Like I say, I love each and every one of our listeners, but you know, there is something special when somebody like Chris Adler says that he listens to your show, you know, that that's true. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. I know. I, I, I feel it in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got a handful of like, uh, you know, super fans out there that, you know, which is, is, is cool to know, but, uh, you know, Adler is, I think it's I mean, great. Top I, of the food chain. I think it's great that he turned you into me. Uh, like, no there's no way you actually listen nobody listen to this show we're, in, we're so inside there's, a bubble here. there's nobody that listen to this show it's a, you suddenly you turned into me man I, you went all eeyore on me and i'm like wait 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 what the, what the hell that's not godless godless thinks jesus listens to the show everybody listens to it what are you talking about there's no well, person we are- the in metal that doesn't listen to the Metal Sucks podcast, according we to We are Godless. bigger than Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, get him that way anyway. <laughs> All right, let's get into our interview with Chris Adler of Lamb of God on the Metal Sucks podcast. Privilege a chosen view. Bless with our time in hell. Witness a divine vision the day we all fell still. Enter the dying age. A shattered hourglass. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. First time Chris caller, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a listener. <laughs> I am absolutely. Really awesome. You're, yeah. No way. Yeah, absolutely, no. man. Yeah. Oh, no, now true. I feel like quizzing you just to find out if you're really just pulling my leg. <laughs> good, good, good. Chuck and Goblins, let's do it. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I see. The last time I talked to you was almost a decade ago, so it's been it's been a while, and I sure you remember every minute of it. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably been a few too many beers between then, but again, yeah, cheers to us both being alive. Yeah, a couple things have happened to you since then, I think. Um, yeah, quite a few. Chris, did you already get through security and you're just hanging in the lounge or the bar? or the? <laughs> yeah, can, where, where are can you? Can you believe they let me through? They let anybody through here in Richmond. Uh, I am. We are jumping on a plane to Chicago over to Munich. Uh, so I'm in Richmond right now. That's where we live. Uh, but we are heading out for our the Lamb of God European tour that we're kind of starting the record cycle with are you stoked to be getting back out and getting getting your feet on the ground again it's obviously it's great 
to have work and there's no other job that I'd rather complain about. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, I, I will, I will say that Europe is not our favorite place to go. Oh, um, okay. And, yeah. and it's not, it's not, you know, it always sounds so exotic and, and fun to, to people that haven't been, but being kind of on the other side of the curtain, it's a lot of, especially on these festivals that we do, it's a lot of parking lots and porta potties and people yelling at you in different languages. And it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but you know, we make the most of it and it's, it's great. It's a great photo op. You know, we get, you know, a hundred thousand people showing up at places like download, you know, send a picture like that back to mom. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big high. Does it feel like, like sort of almost like a letdown when you only get to play for like 45 minutes or 50 minutes, like in a festival setting and there's so much work that you do to like warm up and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not really um, particular to the festivals. Uh, that's that's really the, the downside of touring in general is the you know, the 23 hours or 22 and a half hours that you're not on stage because, you know, you're not at home, you miss your family, you miss your friends. Um, it is a lot of fun. Again, you know, I, it's, it's not something that I uh, ever really complain about, but it's tough. The, the waiting game is tough. You got to find uh, healthy ways to, you know, make that time go by and, you know, I've seen a lot of people not be able to figure that one out. Are you an online porn guy while you're on tour? Is that your of healthy course. like release? I'm mean, not. I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't think tour is actually even relevant to that uh, statement. I, just, I think <laughs> I don't know anybody that isn't. Like even currently, I'm looking at the guys in the band sitting at. Uh, they're all looking at their phones right now, waiting for the flight. I'm pretty sure they're all on Pornhub or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have that discussion with my wife. There were two things that I waited like months after we started dating before I let her know. And one was I like mixed martial arts. I like watching it on TV. And then the second one, which was actually easier to admit, was that uh, I still watch porn. Porn's never going to go away. It's not going to go away. Yeah. yeah. See, I, it, 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 no, it's it, actually, that, I mean, it's, it's the best thing for a relationship. You know? I agree. Really, uh, and see, so many people say the other yeah. way around, right? It's like it's going to destroy well, I mean, them. If you got, if, of course, it, if it's 24-7 and you're getting into, you know, freaky weird shit and coming on toenails and stuff, I mean, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> you're taking it a little far. But, if you know, if, she, if your girlfriend's got a headache and, you know, why get angry? Just figure it out. See, level-headed. I love it. I agree. Same the same way. <laughs> there are those actresses though who look a little bit too much like ex-girlfriends. I just, I, I just out of like you know some sort of uh, faith in, or faithfulness to my wife. I, I, I avoid watching those actresses. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm five. Well, there you I'm go. five that's, foot that's... six, and you know, like you know, losing my hair and stuff. So it's like they're, they're, these girls are not that attractive. So it's not like they got a lot of videos so it's okay it's easy to avoid you know if, if you're being particular about the people that you're watching that's that's responsible uh porn watching so i think you're you're still good you're still good there's another uh, <laughs> podcast that we uh that we did a thing with and they are sponsored by this website that they're a christian website right or a christian uh, online service where basically every anytime you watch porn it triggers so that it sends an email to all of your friends so that way you know before you like break down and you actually like watch some porn you shouldn't do it because all your friends oh, yeah. are going to hold gonna go you accountable like, yeah going to go to your boss and stuff yeah and i'm like that's oh, the wow. most awesome service ever i want everybody to know you know <laughs> 
yeah, definitely. Very cool. So what what is the dynamic like with you guys? I mean, I know you recorded an album, but I mean, on the road's a different animal. What's the dynamic like between you guys now, it especially really, compared uh, to the past? Yeah, it fluctuates a lot, you know? I mean, we, we started off as this kind of, you know, fucking five amigos against the world, you know, we're going to, you know, get out there and get all the free beer and girls we can find. And, you know, over time, it got you know, it built and built and it kind of became this success and people go through phases of that process in their own individual way. Um, you kind of alienate yourself from the group a little bit. You need some time away because you're stuck with these people for so long. And for the first, you know, five, six years, you're all, you know, losing money and we're all all for one and one for all. And, and, and you know, as long as, you know, we got each other's back and everybody's cool. But then when you're stuck 24 seven for, you know, six weeks, it's like, Oh my God, get me away from these people. So it comes and goes. The friendships get, you know, tested and strained and then they kind of come back together. And it, 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 it's really, it's interesting. It's, it, I've noticed it about pretty much every band. It's like whoever is not in the room is, you know, really eating a bag of shit. <laughs> um, but I, I think that might be the norm with any workplace. I think it's, it's probably the same as any other, any other workplace. We're just, you know, able to not groom ourselves the thing I always heard was that in the early days, you were sort of like the business guy. You were the guy who kind of like ran the band. For, you know, you had that head for it. Is that true? Yeah, I think for the first, probably the first 10, 12 years, I was, um, I was actually full-time uh, IT director at a, a local shop at, the, at a university in Richmond. And so that allowed me uh, access and time to really do a lot of um, the work that you know, an agent or a manager would do uh, for a band. So even though we would tour, uh, my work would give me the time off to go tour and, and do all that stuff and, and welcome me back. So I just had the access and ability to do it. And from that, you know, from access to the really early on uh, internet, even IRC chat rooms and stuff like that, plus, you know, old zines like uh, book your book your own fucking life. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we just kind of made it happen, and you know, we printed our own T-shirts, and yeah, I guess I was the one that was, you know, motivated and tried to delegate and, and kind of, you know, pick a point on the horizon to get us all going in the same direction. And at, you know, after a while, it got to the point where there was there was just no way to do that. And I thought I think in the end that really bred a lot of contempt because. When you have one guy that even if he's making the right decisions, even if he's doing all the right things, everybody starts to look at that person like, oh, you know, they think they're better than us. They're making all the decisions. And obviously, you know, we're important, too. And, and, you know, we should be more involved. So after a while, when I realized that was happening, it was kind of I was just in the role that I was in, not by choice necessarily, but by just the access and, and ability to do it. I realized that the, the relationships were getting strained. And so that's when we hired a manager. And that's when, Plus, you know, you, I, I, I would could imagine tell right away, you know, everybody could then complain to the manager instead of, you know, just yeah. hating me. Yeah. Well, I would imagine it's one of those things where when things are going well, it's good for the band. But when things don't go well and it's a bad gig or whatever, it's Chris's fault. <laughs> it's easier that way. Point at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah, it is. It's tough. And it wasn't. You know, it, like I said, it wasn't that I wanted to do it, and it, it, I don't think anybody really looked at me like, oh, you know, he's he's some kind of control freak. He wants to be in charge. It was just, you know, I I had access, and it seemed to be going well, so everybody just kind of kept up that uh, order of things for a, for a while. Just defaulted over to you to get it done. 
that's basically well, what and, happened. Yeah. And, and still, and, and in, and some, it, in some cases, it still does. And that, that's fine. You, I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still that guy. Yeah, in I was going to say, you're the guy who's like making sure that you're, you, you know, you have to make sure that the manager does his job because the manager's got, you know, 20 other clients. And, you know, you've got to make sure that you're getting the love, right? You do. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, pay a manager and then do their job, but it is important for me to make sure the manager knows what it is that we want, you know, and, and how we want to do it. Uh, so obviously, you know, bands struggle with that decision. You know, do we get a manager? Do we have an agent? You know, the, the answer to those questions is always, you know, if that, if that person can bring in more income than you are paying them, then yes, the answer is yes. And now there are people that are, that do that in different ways. So, you know, we, we try to make sure that we have a, a good face and a, a professional uh, aspect to the whole organization. So we try to work with, you know, really good people. Sometimes that costs a little more than the sketchy people. But for us, you know, it, it's worth doing that. And in the end, you know, it pays off because we get the opportunities and we get the, the on the business side of things, we get the respect from the things we've done in the past that help continue to build a career. Yeah. So are those opportunities like the what you're talking about? Festival-wise or prestige-wise or press-wise? I mean, where, where do you find that breaking, breaking ground versus if you didn't have those options? Well, I think just like, just like a young band going on tour, you know, you, you got to pay your dues. You got to respect the headliner. You got to go along with, you know, whatever the rules are um, until you're making the rules. And um, I think in doing that, you kind of learn the ropes and... Um, it's really kind of by not being an asshole, you're remembered as not an asshole. And then when you get to be in charge, you, you realize from the bands that you worked with that were assholes to you, the things you maybe not to do to uh, other bands or how you, how we could do it differently. So every band we've been out with, we've learned, you know, great things. Uh, but most, actually the more, most important things we've learned from every band we've been out with are the things not to do. Um, you know, we've seen, we've been out with like the most successful bands, you know, in the world in, as far as metal goes. And the things that we took away probably the most from all of them was, you know, the, the, the problems that they had or the things that they weren't, that they seemed to struggle with and how, you know, what could we do differently so we don't run into that. So it's always kind of keeping your eyes open to that kind of thing. And just coming away from those tours with, you know, those big acts and having them feel good about, you know, hey, those guys in Lamb are really cool. Their management, you know, was not really up our ass about anything. And even though we had a couple hard nights where we weren't allowed, couldn't give them their sound check or, you know, the, the, whatever happened wrong, it was too bad, you know, whatever, you know, they, they didn't complain. They took it on the chin, you know, it's a good dude. So let's do it again. So just those kinds of things where you just kind of got to roll with the punches. That sounds like uh, what's normally called being professional, right? <laughs> it is. But in, in this business, it's, uh, that's not particularly common, especially when the egos get involved and, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that uh, really think, I, you know, I've never, I've never seen it. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the same in professional sports or something, but I've never seen just the kind of entitlement that I have with, with some people uh, that do this, you know, and it's not that I don't feel like, you know, we, that Lamb of God is a, is a success. It's just that I, I feel incredibly lucky at the success that we have. And every day I feel really fortunate to be able to, wake up and, and do this and like i said earlier you know i i if i'm going to complain about a job i want it to be this one yeah. but i'm not <laughs> you know i'm not high on the horse about you know we're nothing special we're just lucky do you feel like you're making the rules yet though 
Well, you have to. I when mean, your we, singer's being held for ransom, <laughs> what other band has had to deal <laughs> right. with that? Yeah, I, I mean, internally, yeah, we make all the rules for each other. Um, you know, the, the game runs the way it goes. You know, it's, it, it's really, it's, it's like high school in the end. It's a popularity contest. And all we can do is just try to do what we know how to do best and not try to appease necessarily anybody. Because, you know, our first record, you know, that wasn't intended to get us a ton of fans. That was just the racket that we were making in the basement that we felt like if we could, you know, record this and get out there and play some shows, we're going to, you know, get some, get some free beer and, you know, maybe we'll earn enough money for a van and we can, you know, really ride in style and maybe we'll meet some girls and that kind of thing. And so we've just kept doing that. I mean, there wasn't a moment where we said, Hey, you know, if we changed up a little bit, I think there's like 500,000 more people that are going to figure out we're awesome. You know, it's just not going to happen. So let's just do what we do. We're, everybody's comfortable. Nobody went out and bought a Maserati. We all have, you know, modest homes. We stayed in Richmond. It's, uh, cost of living is pretty cheap. Um, I've got, uh, I ride, I, I got a bicycle. I ride everywhere on my bike. It's, it's, you know, it's a matter of kind of understanding your place in the whole thing and getting comfortable with it, not overreaching or expecting something more than uh, you're achieving and being happy with it. Well, part of that's going to come from like the time where you guys are from as well. Cause I mean, we're also talking about almost post music industry bubble, you know, like where after the whole thing kind of has come down to, well, we're going to stream it instead of buy it. Yeah. You, yeah. You know. I, def- I definitely think we got the last, one of the last medium-sized waves uh, coming in, you know, if this was a, a surfing analogy. I think, you know, we definitely came at a time where it was a great time for a band like us to come along in hindsight. Um, you know, new metal was really starting to piss everybody off. We had a, a little bit more of an aggressive sound. Record companies were still signing reasonable deals, and there was still a mechanism or a, a machine in place to get those records into stores. Uh, so our our contract and all that stuff is based on that time period, which was kind of the very end of that whole thing. So uh, we did luck out in that. You know, now there's, you know, I don't even know, two, three stores maybe yeah. that are going to have our CD when it comes out. And, you know, everybody's, you know, wants to, you know, be top 10 or, or you know, number one record. It's, you know, it's, it's insane to, to even think, you know, nowadays it's, it's a struggle to actually find a physical copy of a record. Yeah. Don't forget it's available for pre-order in June 9th. Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, it's gotta be, do you have any vision of what the, what, what the new thing is? I mean, I know none of us can really answer that question. Right. But at the same time, you know, being right there in it, what are some of the new pathways that, that you guys as a band are exploring to, to, to keep going? We're, we're blessed and we're cursed. We're, like I said, we're in this, this model that was uh, in place kind of as the record industry was dying, but still yeah. a fair model for us as a band. So I think we're uh, being treated fairly and um, the contract is, is pretty good for where we're at. At some point, I think uh, Epic Records is going to realize, you know, they're, they're crazy to be continuing on with this contract with the way the industry has gone. But so far, they haven't uh, <laughs> come back to us with anything other than, than what we signed off on. Chris, in the I meantime, think you I think bands you should, like, um, bands like I'm sorry, Clutch, I was going to say that. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. With the their own with their own record label. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Now, obviously, that's very difficult to do if you're an upstart, you know, trying to get things 
off the ground. Um, and I think that's a whole different market. But it was, you know, for us, when we started, it was the same, it, in very much the same way. You know, we were, uh, you know, it's funny, we have, I have this tie-in now uh, with Megadeth, but very early on um, in the um, internet, uh, the, Megadeth was one of the first bands uh, with the internet site, you know, Megadeth Arizona was one of the first sites. And so, you know, right away I was on that, you know, Burn the Priest had a website and all that stuff. So I think obviously that, you know, not just having a website, but that being online, being present, being aggressive online, finding ways uh, to share uh, the product, you know, as Burn the Priest, we were giving away all of our music just in hopes of, you know, getting a basement show in someplace other than Richmond. So, you know, that's, that's how it starts. And, you know, if, if, if it's good, if you're honest about what you're doing, it, it, it'll, it'll be contagious. It'll work. Uh, it just takes time and, you know, attention I think you guys uh, need to make a movie and just have it a mix of live concert footage and fictional stuff. You'll make a millions with that. <laughs> uh, maybe make it in 3D. Yeah. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, how about really a, a, I'm gonna call a festival of your own? You have a festival of your own, but you'll have like other genres, and you can have like you know? horror on the side, and then you can have like uh, you know wow. a, a car show. Yeah, like on a like on like an island off of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Idea. <laughs> well, you had said I had heard, read you saying that you like like Lamb of God has no retirement plan because their rock and roll has no retirement plan. But is there? I mean, because yeah, of the no, scare that you no guys have had. Day. Yeah, is there because of the scare that you guys have had? Is there sort of a, a, a? I'm sure everybody's treating it differently, but is there a collective uh, idea as to how you guys might be able to? I don't know, financially cushion yourselves going forward. Jastrio, I mean, yeah. I think you know. No, actually, one of the almost the opposite. I think even coming into this record, we all, you know, guys, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe maybe we should just kind of let it go because. You know, we've been through all this. Everybody's been, you know, drastically affected by what's gone on. Um, some might say we have more uh, ammunition to, to make an album than ever. On the other hand, uh, it, it was not a pleasant experience. And just getting together again is, is a constant reminder of, uh, you know, a tragedy that happened there. And, you know, none of us are any younger. Um, let's Nobody wants a record that's made for the money, you know, we don't want to be that band. We never wanted to be that band. You know, let's, let's really take an honest, try to be objective. Let's get in. We have some ideas. Let's, let's flesh them out. Um, but let's, let's be realistic with each other. If it's not the caliber of material that it should be, it, which to me means in at least in our minds, better than what we've done, then we should probably just walk away from it. Leave the legacy of the band as it is. You know, we'll be able to find, you know, do clinics and appearances and, you know, everybody will be fine. You know, we're not a, a bunch of idiots. Nobody's gotten lost in, you know, crazy drugs or anything. We can we can find everybody can find something else to do. So let's just make sure that if we're going to keep doing this, um, it's good enough to do it. So, no, there's not really a plan to uh, make a, a ass ton of money or to write songs that we think, you know, can, would sell more or something like that. I don't, I don't think anybody is looking at the band as a vehicle to retire. It's, it's, we are making a living uh, in the band right now, 
but I don't think anybody's counting on it to get to the end. Um, and I think we would do the band a, a very big disservice if we did. I think the music would suffer if we kind of had that, that forced mentality where it's like, well, we have to. You know, it's like, how are we going to buy food if we don't do this? You know, I think we all know that we can find a way to buy food. Let's make let's make great music or not. Wow. Well, I'm hoping that when you finished recording, there wasn't some sort of any sort of sense of finality while you were in the studio. Was there? No, no, not at all. In fact, oh, um, I think there was some question, you know, as we got together and as the songs were coming together, you know, is this good enough? You know, let's, let's, well, I think we were probably more critical than we've ever been. Um, maybe because of our own expectations, maybe because we know that because of everything that's gone on with the band, there's really a spotlight on us right now. Like what, what are these guys going to do? What is it going to be like post this um, situation in, in Prague? You know, how is this going to turn out? So there, there was more maybe questioning during the process, but when it got to, when it got to the, you know, I, I guess about 75% where, the skeletons are done, uh, and now we're adding, you know, melodies, harmonies, and vocals. Uh, it was like, man, holy shit! I didn't. Nobody. I, I. I don't think thought we were capable of of what it is that we were able to put together. I, I really, I really think much less would have been passable. Like this, we, we surprised ourselves with this record. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, and just listening to the first single. You know, you can tell that they're. It's got a. It's got a tone to it. I mean, it's it's you guys, obviously. But is this the uh, is this the best song on the record, or is this like the the? Hey, we're gonna give. We're gonna feed you a little bit. <laughs> Here's a little bit of this. Have, well, have fun think, with that. What do you? you know, we've always kind of had. Um, you know, at least the past couple records, we we throw something at the beginning that's you know a little yeah a little bit of a curveball you know, or, or something different, maybe something that's unexpected. And so that uh, still echoes is probably what you're referring to. The, yeah. the track that you've heard. And that's track one on the record. Uh, and, and it does, uh, the record does stay in that same vein, very, very aggressive, very moody, very dark. There's a lot of lyrics that are certainly open to interpretation, but definitely come from the experiences that we've had over the past five years or the past four years on the resolution touring cycle and the, Experiences that we all went through, uh, getting in and out of that mess uh, with Randy, and so um, it it is uh, indicative of of what's on the record. There, there's definitely some left and right turns, but it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty aggressive ride. So no acoustic jams or anything like that. There's no acoustic jams. There is a song called Overlord that is um, you know, and Randy really explained it best. He said, you know. I really want to. I want to do a song where I'm not just barking and screaming the whole time because I, I really have something to say here that I don't feel like is properly expressed by just screaming all the time. Like that's not the emotion that I'm feeling. It's not an angry thing. It's not a. I'm not upset. I have something to say, and I don't want to yell it. So there is actually some, you know. I don't know if you want to call it clean vocals, but it's, you know, it's not um, kind of all that remains or kill switch engage clean, but it is, it's, it's a little bit different for what Randy's done before. So we'll, we'll see how that goes over, but we always end up with something weird. You know, we had vigil on palaces burn. We had King me with the opera singer and strings on resolution. Um, 
what else on wrath we had reclamation you know there's, there's always one kind of really stretching stretching out a little bit seeing what happens oh and no clean, on this clean singing man sell out uh whatever <laughs> Well, it's all mainstream. It is. I know. Uh, what's that? What's that site? No clean thing. We just, we just lost our, uh, our 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 spot on their uh, top two thousand bands. Can I? I am actually. They're boarding my me right now. I'm the last guy to get on the plane. Can I call you right back once I get on? Uh, sure. about that well thanks for willing willing to talk to us some more man yeah seriously like you know told tons of questions and stuff you know oh no it's good i was serious uh earlier i listened to the uh podcast i subscribed to it and uh it's cool to be on it awesome man that's cool sorry to make it sorry to make it so difficult not at all man we i mean we've we've wanted to talk to you guys for you know for a while yeah here we go all right yeah (laughs) so so, chris real quick so like like all right how different is it in the studio with Dave Mustaine versus with your team? You know, well, it's pretty fundamentally different. Um, with with Lamb of God, you know, I'm a I own the company. You know, I mean, everybody in the band owns the company, but I am uh, directly responsible and 100 percent invested in every second of music that we do. So. Uh, you know, we, the song, uh, for example, the song Walk With Me in Hell that was on the Sacrament record, that one song took six months for us to all agree on where we wanted it to go and everybody kind of put their stamp on it and everybody be happy with what everybody else was doing. So it's a very tedious process because we all really take a lot of ownership, pride, and kind of interest in in the direction these things are going we all have a vision a lot of the times it's similar sometimes it's different and we've got to work work those out and, and get things done so that's how lamb of god is and that's the way it's been from the beginning we all it we are a, a partnership everything about the band has always been uh 20 split you know you guys mentioned earlier me doing kind of management stuff randy even mentioned that in one of the dvds you know, Chris was steering the ship or whatever, and I, I, there's no credit for that. There's, that was because, like I said, I had the opportunity to do it. Everything is split 20% all across everything, no matter who does what, no matter who doesn't do anything, no matter who can be available for whatever. It's still kind of that all-for-one thing. So when I go into any other session, it's kind of by nature, it's not going to be... Um, 
I'm going to be babysitting basically somebody else's kid, right? Yep. Um, so I, uh, you know, each of those examples, the two things that I've done were, were drastically different, but uh, principally they were the same in that it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't mine. It was, it, I, I was there to help. I was invested, uh, but it wasn't, at the end of the day, I knew that I had to, to be able to walk away from it, and I probably wouldn't be held responsible <laughs> for whatever it is that, ha- that happens. Oh on no! It. <laughs> well, um, see, no, that's, that's the not, thing. It's that, like not, the interviews. Dave not, is like say, saying that, like, well, you know, we, we I think we got caught up in doing X, Y, and Z, but you know, as soon as we got Adler in here and I start talking to him about what he likes about Megadeth, that was when we knew that was the direction we wanted to go. So I was like. Oh no! I hope he doesn't like Super Collider. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, I mean, it's tough now that I've uh, I'm kind of in the band, so I can't talk poorly about anything. But I, I will share that with you that that was my least favorite uh, Megadeth album since Risk. <laughs> so um, now, no, you know, when I came in, it was even though at the time it was not my favorite record, um, I was really focusing on the drumming of. Uh, Chuck during uh, So Far So Good So What and I'd already studied a lot of stuff that Gar had done. Gar was one of my favorite drummers you know as I was learning to play so that was kind of you know a huge influence for me with those first couple records and then going back now kind of as a uh, less of a a fan and more of a kind of digging in like a scientist you know uh, listening to a lot of what Chuck was doing, um, really the first couple, the whole time that I've been listening to So Far So Good So What, I, I really was never impressed very much with the, the drumming. But now that I went back and studied it and tried to copy a lot of what he was doing, it's actually, he was he was doing some really, really great stuff. And it's a lot of it's simple. Um, and actually a lot of the stuff that Nick uh, Menzo was doing was simple. A lot of stuff that Gar was doing was simple. Gar was a little more jazzy than the other guys, but it was all about supporting uh, the guitar. And Megadeth for me has always been a guitar band, and that's why it's always been my favorite band. Um, I'm such not a drum nerd. I don't care about drums. I, uh, the bands that I love are all guitar bands, uh, hence me doing the work with Protest the Hero. It's just, that's, that's what I love about this kind of music is the guitar stuff. So, like in Megadeth, my role is to really find my place to best support the guitar. You know, there, there might be a moment or two where I can shine, but in general... You know, it's it's provide the backbone for the guitar parts, and also in in my what I wanted to do and what I did was come in and instead of being able to say, well, I can play it faster than that, or I could do this crazy fill, or I could do a drum solo in the middle of this. It wasn't that. It was, hey, I I know I can put a, a great beat to that, but I don't think it's very good. Let's think about how we can make that riff better. You know, maybe if we step it down into a minor key, or if we um, what what is Kiko doing on this? Can we add a harmony to it that makes it sound a little more sinister or, or that kind of thing? So it wasn't about like how fast can I play double bass or anything like that. It was just a very different role uh, for me in that it's just kind of a support role. It, it sounds almost like how you described uh, when you had Machine come in the first time uh, with Lamb of God. You know, like, uh, okay, I got some ideas on how we're going to do this first for a few weeks before we even record. Did you learn to take anything yeah. away from that experience in a way? I did, um, and it, yeah, very much. And I think the longer, 
the longer I'm doing this and, and able to record records and, and be involved in the creative process with other people, the more I've kind of learned my place. And I, I think in Lamb of God, that's, that's maybe a bigger place than it is in Protest the Hero or in Megadeth. Um, but the, the longer I go, the, the kind of, it, it's interesting because although I feel like I'm getting better at the instrument, as my playing matures, I'm actually kind of pulling back from all of that show-offy kind of stuff to, to better support the song or to better uh, accentuate the other highlights in the band and not just be focused on myself. Like the first couple albums were just, everybody was just trying to go, you know, as fast, as hard, and show off as much as they could. I don't know if anybody really knew that anybody else was playing at any other time. Because we, <laughs> you know, we, we, we would get into the studio, the guys, were, we were rehearsing at 11, you know, everything's on 11. And we got into the studio, I remember even with uh, Steve Austin on um, uh, New American Gospel, and, you know, this is our second record, and the guitar players uh, are in there tracking, and, you know, one of the guitar players is tracking, and the other guitar player is looking at him like, that's not the part. What are you, how are you, why are you, you're not playing that. He's like, oh, it goes like this. No, it doesn't. It goes like this. They're, they've been, we've just been rehearsing so loud that nobody could tell what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just kind of evolves to the point where now, you know, you pay attention to those details and don't focus on yourself so much. Listen to what everybody else is doing and find ways to be uh, supportive of that or creative with that. And, you know, for me, that's always been kind of my thing is, listen to those guitar parts, find a way to syncopate with it. Don't necessarily just follow it like the way I would and did uh, with Megadeth, you know, follow the guitar parts like to a, to a, a triplet on his, on his uh, right hand. You know, he was very, very, he had a very clear vision of what he wanted the drums to be. And if I could make it better, great. But if on, on a very basic level, it had to match the guitar exactly every single, uh, every single hit of a string you know, was, was accented with the drum. So that was uh, different. Do you feel like that's just being salty, like kind of learning the lay of the land and writing songs, or is that just uh, uh, like letting some ego go, like where everybody's trying to scream at their high, at the most they can? Is it Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, well, I think both of those things kind of go hand in hand a, a little bit. I think, uh, you know, as, as we get older, we maybe don't have the, the need to show off quite as much. But at the, and at the same time, realize that songwriting isn't really about showing off. Uh, we probably got lucky, you know, on those first couple albums that somehow it congealed into things that were uh, listenable and contagious to other people. But you know, as we move on, it's it's much more of a a process of taking a step back and getting out of your own head. Trying, even though we're all kind of in the same fishbowl, you know, working, trying to get out trying to be objective about what's going on, not just focusing on what it is that you're doing, but, you know, talking to, you know, the guitar players talking to each other about how they can uh, change this and not being defensive about it. Like in the first couple albums, you know, if Mark would tell me to, you know, put the snare on the ones and the threes instead of the twos and fours, I would have told him to fuck off. Now it's like, yeah, you know what, let's try it. Let's record it both ways. Let's, let's listen to it and let's see what we think after, you know, a week of driving around instead of being so, you know, in the moment, like it has to be my way or no other way, you know? So I think now we just have the, um, we're a little more open to the idea of things being better, um, because we're working, because we realize we're working with, uh, professionals 
that's strained. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about friendships being strained. It's strained sometimes when you, you're kind of in a personal fight with somebody about something else, and you got to realize that, like, man, I guess they're right about this music thing. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, I don't want to say that they're right. You know, it's also got to be weird when you're with a hero and you're trying to have maybe not that exact conversation, but something similar as well. It was tough, especially for me because you know, coming up. Megadeth was my band. I mean, that was, I mean, it was a lot of people's band, but that was, that was like when I was a kid, it was kind of like you were on Team Metallica or Team Megadeth. And yep, not yep. that I didn't like, I was definitely a Megadeth kid. And uh, still to this day, it's like, you know, people ask me my favorite band and it's Megadeth. And it's because of that, you know, technical speed guitar stuff that, you know, the band is for the most part maintained uh, their whole career. I just, I love that, that stuff. So yeah. I was definitely, you know, when I got the call, uh, interested, you know, are you interested in doing this record? I was just in the cloud, jumping up and down on the hotel bed. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Am I on candy camera? Like, what is going on? Uh, so, yeah, it was tough to get in there and to be, um, to get my head out of the clouds, get my feet on the ground and say, you know what? I don't really like this part. I, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> but um, I, really I, I don't, don't. I don't really think this, don't. I don't I, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a Megadeth fan, and this is not what I want to hear. So, what can we, what can we do about it? Are you willing to, to work with me here? Can we can we try some other things? And he was very open to trying different things, so it worked out really well. Now, is that a conversation you had like pre like pre pro or like this is where you're trying to do this in the studio? <laughs> like, no, right away. Really, right away, uh, okay. he sent me. Yeah, well, get a little groundwork. Uh, when I agreed to do it, yeah, and I and I figured, you know, I was like, you know, I got to be upfront with the guy, or this is just never going to work out, and I don't want to get there and be forced to play a bunch of stuff that I don't want to play, or feel like I can't be creative. You know, that's just that that would be terribly frustrating. So he sent me like ten demos uh, once you know things were in progress, and I had agreed to do it. And there were two or three of them where I was like, this is not. I would not feel great about playing this. And, you know, there were programmed drums on it. And, you know, one of the songs had this like one minute intro that was just all kinds of weird. And I was like, Dave, I don't even, I, what is going on here? Like are there lyrics on here? Is something going to make sense of this? Is there a guitar harmony missing? Like this is just, it sounds like it's just somebody's falling down the stairs with a guitar. And he was like, Oh, you don't like that part. I was like, well, I don't understand it. And, you know, I, I'm playing in, in, in Lamb, we do some pretty complicated stuff, and I have no idea what you're doing here. And he's like, okay, cool, let's get rid of it. So, you know, right away I wanted to, to speak up, not be negative. You know, yeah. of course, it's, it's important to always in those creative situations, and, and certainly as I go on and working with Protest and Megadeth and even the Lamb guys, it's always important to be positive. Even if the worst thing you can do is say, you know what, I hate that, and then have nothing to offer. You know, it's, yeah. it's always, I'm totally, better. it's always better to just, just follow. If, if that's all there is at the moment, you know, just head down the road. You, everybody will get to the same place together in the end. And if you can come up with something in the meantime to offer that helps improve things, bring it up that way, but don't just come at somebody and say, you know, that sucks. It's just, I'm totally picturing anywhere. you and Dave sitting there and Dave going, Hey, you don't like it? It's okay. I'll take it right out. And then you go right to tower records the day it's released. And it's that first minute is right there. Track one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. And that's, that's, that was one of the heartbreaking things. Um, when I did the protest hero record, I was, um, I, when I, I got on the plane to come home and on that plane ride home, I was like, I will never ever do this again. 
I will never, ever do a session record again. And it was because of exactly that. It was because even though I was, like I said earlier, kind of babysitting somebody else's kid, I had really become attached to it. And I had played my guts out. And I had spent so much time invested in trying to make it better and trying to come up with ideas and being creative with the guys. And then as soon as I hit the last you know, drum note, we pack up the drums and they drove me to the airport. And then from there, I have no say. I don't get to hear it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they are changing it, sampling it, um, you know, slowing it down, speeding it up, cutting me out, getting another drummer. I just have absolutely no idea. And it was just kind of heartbreaking to walk away from it. So that's, yeah. I was like, I'll never do this again. But then of course, what? you know, Dave Mustaine calls, you're like, uh, fuck yeah. well it seems like your relationship post recording is going to be a little bit different you've announced one show with megadeth so far yes um so it was widely reported um when when this all first went down that i was going to be the session guy for the record and that really never came from me or from dave i think it was just assumed uh because lamb is doing fairly well and you know we have a, a record coming out and nobody's in jail currently so um, I think everybody That's pretty good. thought that it would, it would just be, you know, a, a session deal. And, um, I think that's probably fairly accurate, uh, in the long run, but, uh, I'd really like to work it out. I'd really love to play drums in Megadeth. I can't, um, I can't do that instead of Lamb. Uh, so the two have to be uh, kind of massaged, and I don't know if that's possible. And if it's not, obviously I'm going to stay with Lamb of God because that's, that's my baby, as as our references go. Uh, but I would absolutely love to do it. So yeah, um, you know, on my bucket list, you know, record an album with Megadeth. Also on that list, play some shows with Megadeth. So if I can hold on to this, if I can keep it going for a little while, I definitely want to do it. And uh, Dave has asked me repeatedly uh, to please become a member of the band. I would love to take him up on that offer, but you know I've got my I've got my own project, and that's what I told him. I was like, you know, Megadeth is is your baby, and, and Lamb of God is mine. And if we can make both work, I'd love to do this with you because I I I love Megadeth, and I want you to win. And I know there's a lot of people out there that you know give you a hard time, and it's, that's just because you're the guy that changed the world with your guitar. So it's easy to pick on the king, but I want—I still want you to win. So I want to be involved, uh, and I'll help you every, every, any and every way that I can. So Lamb of so, God is going to be on the uh, next gigant tour. It looks like. Uh, you know what? Who knows? <laughs> I, I think that it's—it's it's not going to be uh, up to me. I've got to let that uh, play itself out. I, I'm certainly not going to steer uh, Lamb of God in that in any direction. I think it's got to make sense for everybody uh, if we are going to, you know, do some touring together there there is actually some stuff being talked about um, currently for later on in the year so there there is more than this one show in in july uh that i'm talking to them about doing and i would i would really love to be involved uh, further down the road it just can't i, I promise the guys in lamb and and that it, that it won't get in the way and i don't want it to get in the way lamb is my priority that's that's an awesome scoop man it's a hell of a juggling act right there too man that's just, <laughs> uh, just it is that's like it, sophie's choice it, right it, there <laughs> it's tough man because i think really that that i you know if i was single um i i'd figure it out but you know i i'm married i got a kid you know i need them they need me and you know 
the Lamb of God schedule from here, you know, starting actually literally today, you know, as we're heading over to Munich, uh, you know, for the next 12 to 18 months, it's going to be pretty gnarly as far as touring goes and, and being home and, or, or not being home, I should say. So to add another full-time legacy act uh, to that uh, would be devastating on the home front. So just going to have to see how it goes. Well, Nick Menza got his own Prevo. Why can't Chris Adler get his own Prevo? Did he? Oh, man, I should ask. <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea. I'm, know, just, I'm, just, I'm just assuming there's, so. There's been, there's been so so much talk um, with Nick saying stuff, and, and you know, Dave really, um, you know, I saw an interview with David Ellison yesterday about uh, how those guys really did try to make the reunion happen, and, you know, I, I've talked to Dave about it, and, and I told him that. Even when he called me and said, hey, Chris, do you, you, know, you want to make a record with me, I said, you know what, of course I do, Dave, but, um, you know, everybody wants Nick and Marty, and I think, I think you should take the time and try to make that work. He said, well, I did, um, you know, and, and, and it's, just, it's just, for a lot of reasons, it's not where it should be, it's not working out, which we tried playing together, we tried sorting out the money, and it's just not a good fit. I was like, well, I'm not your business manager, but if if I was, I would tell you to, you know, whatever it takes, you know, that, that is a, a, a second wind of your career. You know, I think that that's the move you need to make. And this is me on the phone with him. He's offering me a job and I'm telling him, you know, go get this other guy. So I have nothing but respect for Nick. I think he's an amazing drummer. I am uh, stepping into enormous shoes and I, I was not trying to uh, take his job, but after talking to Dave and David, it just seemed uh, obvious that for whatever reason, personality-wise, playing-wise, money-wise, it just was not the right fit at, at this time. And, you know, I know, as well as everybody does, that's the, that's the ace in, in the deck. That, you know, it's always there. So, you know, we talk about playing shows with Megadeth and, and all that. You know, at, at some point, that could happen. And, it, you know, it's going to be great for all the fans that, that want that to happen, including myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to be in the front row at that show. Uh, does it feel be? Does it feel good being the go-to drummer these days in metal? <laughs> uh, I guess it all started with the uh, the Slipknot rumor, right? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I, it it uh, yeah, it does. It does. I, I, it's hard to believe because I'm really like right now. We're I, I just got this uh, the Megadeth show coming up in in July, and of course I know the Lamb of God stuff, but I'm really not like a, a covers guy. I never really played in a covers band and I never sit around and figure out, you know, other people's playing. So now, you know, Dave sent me a a set list of like 23 songs and it's like, holy shit. You know, none of them are the ones that I just, you know, the 15 that I just learned for the record. (laughs) So it's like, wow, you know, now I got to go back and and really study this stuff. So it is, it's interesting, but I'm not a very, I'm not a schooled guy. You know, I can't, you know, go pick up the tabs and, you know, have it sitting next to me and, and rock out you know, up in, up in Canada on a moment's notice. I'm not the guy that can learn it on the plane on the way there. Uh, so it's it's a challenge uh, for me to do it. So I'm kind of surprised that I'm the guy. I think I think it's a combination of my, you know, my playing, obviously, you know, it's probably up to par. But I, I think it also has to do with my personality and just loving doing this and loving being around this environment and, and metal in general. I just haven't lost uh, that the fire for this whole thing. So I think especially in a band like Megadeth, it's been around for, for as long as they have. And even in Lamb, 
you know, you, you just get burned out after a while. It's like, God, we were doing this again. I really don't even want to see these guys. But, you know, for me, it's just like, but yeah, I, I love it. Let's keep going, man. It's, it's not going to last forever. I'm going to, I'm going to soak this up. So does it help having it your does, brother in the band to get that vibe? Um, Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it hurts. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like a, 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 I don't know if you guys have family, but there's a level of um, rudeness and inappropriateness that is, uh, that can happen between family members that would never happen <laughs> between uh, any other people on the planet. So, yeah, you know, I he and I can get into it worse than anybody else can. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're in the end, you can't really leave. <laughs> so we, yeah, it, it's good having him there. And, and we, we're kind of a, a bit of a little team within the band. You know, normally we kind of vote the same way on things and we kind of got each other's back if, if things come up. So yeah, it is good having it. And obviously our parents are super stoked for us. It's, it's a, it, he's doing amazingly well. I mean, he's, he's healthier than I've ever seen him. He's lost like a hundred pounds. The kid looks great. So he's, he's doing really well. It's great to be around him. He's, he's a funny guy. We're both, you know, pretty funny guys. So, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And you've got your restaurant that you just opened, what, like six months ago? Yeah, exactly six months ago. Um, Big Whiskey. Yeah, it's, uh, it's doing well. It's in Richmond. It's, um, I think it's second, might be, the, it's, it is the second largest whiskey bar in the country. So, so, you, so your a, restaurant. A little bit of everything. Whiskey. Your restaurant versus Guar Bar, <laughs> do you have Brocky's Ashes? <laughs> no, we do not have uh, Brocky's Ashes. What, what an awkward question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> we don't. You never know. We, we don't. might learn. You know? um, I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, you know, those guys were always such, they were such a big brother to Burn the Priest and Lamb of God, and, and Dave especially. You know, I remember there's a place in Richmond called The Village, and it's just this kind of greasy spoon diner uh, spot. And Dave would invite me there all the time to have me, you know, buy him breakfast and let him hold court and tell me what I'm doing wrong. But it was, it was always great, you know, to, to hear his stories and, and to have, you know, they, they took us on our very first tour instead of basements and parties and all that stuff. They, you know, got us on the road and into, into clubs and stuff like that. And they were always there when we needed a hand and helped us record a couple of things and kind of always, willing to take a phone call and point us in the right direction. So it's obviously a, a real bum out that things went down the way it did uh, with Dave, but uh, we've always been friends and fans of those guys. So no, I don't have uh, any of his ashes. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure if that's good or bad, but we do have a lot of whiskey. <laughs> Didn't know if it was like, uh, you know, when you steal the other team's bulldog or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I also read that you're like, all right, so my wife is gluten free, right? And so yeah. I was telling her about how your place has two kitchens and one's like a anti allergy kitchen. Like completely thing. allergy free. Like food what allergy. Yeah. In the ass. yeah, so my uh my wife is also gluten free. She's definitely allergic to tree nuts. What else is she allergic to? Got all kinds of stuff. So Shellfish. The right? uh the, uh well she yeah, she is vegan. Uh, so we basically can't go anywhere. And, and there was, there's several places that we would go, you know, the kind of the homegrown vegetarian, vegan places, you know, the little hippie restaurants or whatever, but really we can't go out very often. And even one of those places that we went to in Richmond, uh, we went and she just got a salad You know, in the first bite, uh, she starts choking, starts throwing up at the table. We got to run to the hospital and it was because there was a, the dressing on it, they said it was a vinaigrette, but it was a walnut vinaigrette. And so 
like, man, all you know, even when you don't order. And then we went to an Indian place, which is normally very good for allergies and, and being veggie or vegan. And she had a, um, uh, I think a dosa, which is like a Indian pancake, gluten-free Indian pancake, and um, immediately had an allergic reaction. It was because of the uh, cross-contamination of the tongs in the kitchen that were, um, you know, using that were, you know, picking up different ingredients to go into different things. So it's it's really hard, even if people are aware and paying attention, to have that kind of uh, separation and just to the knowledge of, of how sensitive some people can be. And so in investing in the restaurant, uh, it's Will McCormick is my partner. He's got two uh, businesses in Richmond right now. One is a small version of the whiskey that are both uh, doing well and, and wanted to expand. So he came to me and said, you know, what do you think about uh, investing in this, you know, much larger place? where we're going to you know, try to make it the biggest whiskey bar in the country and, and maybe do some you know, big corporate events and, and maybe look into franchising and just you know, make it a big deal. I said, well, I'm not necessarily the biggest whiskey fan. I don't know shit about whiskey. I can tell you're a businessman. Things are going good for you, so I'm not opposed. But my interest in this would be, you know, could we do something special food-wise? Could we make this kind of a safe place for people uh, with allergy issues, with... Uh, even not even allergies, just choices, you know, gluten, the whole gluten things become almost a, a fad, you know, but they're obviously people that are you know, celiac and really need that, need it or, you know, don't need it, <laughs> uh, can't have it. Yeah. So that, that was my uh, interest in doing it. And we, we found this place that had um, enough room to set up two totally separate kitchens, two totally separate staffs, two totally different sets of uh, tableware, the whole, the whole thing. So it's not, you know, um, it's not the kind of place where even if there's a special menu, you really can't be sure because, you know, the ingredients might have been touched with this or that, or the, the fryer is also cooking fried chicken and you don't want the, you know, the mushrooms or whatever. It's, it's a totally separate place where everything is, you know, vegan, vegetarian, allergy free. So it is, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, going to change the world, but for those people that need that, it, it is become quite a haven and, and if you guys I don't know if you have anybody in your families or maybe yourself you said your wife you know has that um, gluten allergy or, or even if she's made that choice what you find out and I know from my wife is that whoever has you know the allergy or the, the diet needs or whatever and even you could have a group of 20 people one person it, you know, is a vegetarian, and that person's probably going to be the person that everybody says, okay, well, where can you get eat? Let's go there. So yeah. if we can create this place that's safe for that one person, you know, I think we're going to really open up a lot of business for, for ourselves and for that community that normally, you know, is afraid to go out. So we'll see how it goes. You know, six months that's really, for a restaurant, but it's, our, it's, what, it's already going pretty well, and we're, we're already breaking even. That's like one of the most romantic things I've ever heard. I think your wife will give you a lifelong pass to watch as much porn as you want. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Open an entire. Don't mind sending her a uh, sending her a recommendation or a, or a letter with that. that would be, I'd appreciate it. He opened an entire kitchen for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Hopefully Man, not. Hopefully not. Up. I've had to explain. To, several times this is not for my wife <laughs> this kitchen is not for my wife this is for people like my wife <laughs> well yeah but you know if she doesn't eat there i bet you would be pissed you know <laughs> yeah totally that's right I'll, t- 
I told yes, yeah, so I, I told her it was for her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, it's been great talking to you, man. Really, and uh, we appreciate you taking so much time out of your day, and and it's just awesome being able to talk to you about about this. You get the new record. Uh, do I even try to pronounce it? I'm terrible at pronouncing stuff. Sturm und Drang. I don't even know how to pronounce. It. Sturm und Drang. Sturm und Drang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sturm und Drang. Well. It's our worst market in the whole world is Germany, so we figured, you know, just name it that, and we're heading to Munich tonight. We'll just we'll start there. We'll name the album in German. We'll all change our names to something very, you know, hard to say, and see how see what see what happens. Chris, thank <laughs> no, you very much. No, but it's been great talking to you guys, much man. Respect. And again, I'm a huge fan. So, uh, yeah, all good things. And uh, uh, next, I want to. You guys you. need to get somebody from uh, Allegay on. <laughs> oh, you yeah, think so? Legion on the uh, dude. I love that band. They are so good. they are damn good. Um, in fact, right. I, when I, they are good. In fact, when Dave was talking to me about um, guitar players, I was uh, really pushing for Greg to get him in uh, to, to do the Megadeth thing. Of course, Kiko is just unbelievable playing with that guy. I've never really met a guitar player like that. He just he had just come off of uh, doing a solo record with Virgil Donati, so I felt like a retard playing drums with him, but. Um, it was, it was great. It was great playing with them. And, but Greg, uh, from, uh, Allegiant is a hell of a player, man. So yeah, I'd love to hear a podcast with those dudes. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, guitarists real quick, like who's the best guitarist that's ever subbed for, uh, Mark and your band? Uh, Paul Wagner. Uh, poor Doc. He was, he's a guitar player in, uh, <laughs> oh god uh, you know what? We, we we've had you know mark's had some situations come up and he couldn't you know do do everything that we were doing but um you know buzz from unearth fantastic player probably technically maybe better than than the rest but paul just fit right in um he's a hilarious dude and you know we've toured with the band before i'm a, I'm a huge fan of that kind of stuff so you know, he and I got along really well. Actually, he got along with everybody in the band uh, perfectly well. And he, he basically he looks like Mark, except I think he's like two feet taller than Mark. So he, he, we actually did a show in Montreal uh, last year. And the morning of the show, seriously, the morning of the show, we're flying up there for the show. I get an emergency call from Mark saying, dude, I can't find my fucking passport. We're like, what? Like, are you serious? Like today, it's the day of the show. Like we're going today. And he's like, I I'm, I'll keep looking, man. I'm sorry. I, I might have to catch a later flight. Okay, keep looking, dude. So right away, I hang up, call Paul. Paul, what are you doing? Nothing. All right, I'm going to put you on with management. We're probably going to need you to come to Canada tonight. So in the end, Mark can't find his passport. So everybody's thinking, well, I guess we got to cancel. Paul, no, guys, Paul's available. Uh, we'll get him up there. Management gets him up there like an hour uh, you know, before we're supposed to do something. And we play the whole show. Perfectly, you know, he knows the set list from filling in for Mark uh, from before. He's practicing it on the plane uh, on the way up. And all of the, there's not one story about the show, not one review says anything <laughs> about Mark being gone. We never announced it and no one noticed. Wow. <laughs> well, I yeah, guess that's so kind he, of a he, tribute. He, he, <laughs> yeah i mean he literally fit right in so he's wow. great and doc man doc is hilarious he was so funny being around and, and you know i w i would never say this but this is a quote from doc <laughs> we're, we're playing in dallas texas and he and uh he's like you know what guys 
I don't, we're playing with Metallica. He's like, I don't, I don't think we should play tonight. And we're like, what are you talking about? Let's, you know, the arena's full, man. They're playing with Metallica, man. Let's get out there and kick some ass. He's like, man, nobody wants to see Lamb of God with a black dude up there. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> especially not in Texas. <laughs> we're like, oh, come on, man. No, we just pat him on the back. Oh, it'll be fine, man. We love you, man. It's, you know, you're, you're, part, you're, you're one of the bros. So we get up there. We're playing the whole song. The, the, the crowd is just like kind of, eh, meh. You know, it's just going over like, meh. Kind of like maybe what he was expecting. Last song, smack right in the face with a beer. I remember that video. I remember seeing that video. Yeah. Oh, and it was, I swear to God, that night before in the dressing room, you're just like, I don't think we should go out there tonight, guys. <laughs> Chicken wire for so, that Metallica yeah, I, crowd. Uh, that's right. We'll stick with Paul Wagner, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send, a little, send a little love out to the other guys as well. Hell yeah. <laughs> Chris, you're awesome. Thank you. I hope we get to talk again. I hope so, too. Have you a, guys have a good one. Have a very safe trip yes uneventful tour, <laughs> uneventful tour great yes we'll do our best awesome and i hope you like the record when you get it six bars made across the sky
Subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
New Rivers of Nile on the Metal Sucks Podcast. Perpetual Growth Machine is the name of the new song right there. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I came across it on the Metal Blade SoundCloud, you know, like all the new stuff that they add up there. Yeah. I, it struck me. I, I dug it. You know, what can I tell you? It's uh, it's death metal, but, you know, the, that, the new Jungle Rot is really good. The one where they got Max Cavalera singing yeah. on them. I really dig that one. Uh, you know, Arsis can never go wrong. I mean, I had, I had like, uh, accidentally cued, like, an old Arsis album on my uh, Oh, that's uh, right. You Spotify, thought it was new or something. And I thought it was new. And it was like, whoa. This is amazing. Like crea- it sounds like Creator. What's up with this new little, you know, thing? Thing they're trying to do yeah it's kind of funny how that works out didn't yeah. i yeah i had to explain that to you didn't i yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah no no that record's been out for like 10 years <laughs> nobody's talking about this play it's nobody talking about this. yeah it's because it does it's not a, <laughs> no never mind never mind <laughs> it's hard to keep track of what's new and what's old right except for you know that's what we do you know, <laughs> just keep track of what's new and what's old. See, I'm trying to, I'm trying so hard to be ahead of everybody that I'm, I'm like going all the way to back to be- way behind. You know, uh, hey man, that's the new, the new hip thing to do, man. <laughs> Welcome uh, to 2006, people. It's Welcome. amazing. Oh, great. <laughs> now, there's actually a lot of really good new stuff that's uh, that's coming down the pipe, or at least looking like it anyway. I mean, when we had to, uh, we're, one of the episodes coming up, we're going to talk about uh, talk about our best of the year. So far, oh yeah, and I mean, there it seemed like there was going to be a pretty slow year, and then you start hearing some of these singles that are coming out in the next few months, and you're like, "Fuck, there's going to be a lot of really good albums coming down the pipe, man." Yeah, or at least yeah. I hope so. Anyway, I mean, I hear a lot of good singles out of some of these bands, and then others, you know, you never know how the record's going to turn out, right? Yeah, I feel bad for bands putting out an album this year. Gojira got the right idea, you know. <laughs> Let's wait till next year because this, <laughs> this year's top ten list are. It's man, my top ten was so hard. There was like, there was like thirty albums on that list, you know. Nah. And it's fun. There wasn't like like that the like two or three that like are just you know uh head and shoulders above the rest as it seems to happen oftentimes um you know i love the new veil of maya i love the periphery album but you know there's there, there's so know. many I, other things that are just right there i thought know? there were like five and then the other five were like eh, okay they're pretty good you know but but after that it was like eh, it just sort of fell off i mean there, there's like i said there's some good songs that have come out this year I don't feel like the albums have been all that. You yeah, know, see, I, I'm not a I'm not an album guy. I know. I, I like the, I like the, the like you know. Give me three songs and you know here's your nine bucks. You know. No, I want to <laughs> throw. I, I want to throw on Vela Maya's Matriarch and listen to the whole fucking thing. You know, like like that is a when I start an album, I want to be able to finish it. And uh, there's just not a lot of those right now. And and to 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 be fair. There, there are several, but just I, I couldn't, I can't name you twenty of them right now. That yeah. from twenty fifteen, you know, there's there's literally five that I've gone through and listened to over and over and over again. And other than that, I'm like, eh, eh, we'll okay. be talking about that in more depth soon. And new Lamb of God so far is very promising. Got a feeling that that'll probably be in a top ten. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that almost goes without saying. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, so far, so good. I mean, like I said, that Still Echo song was good. And then five and two is much better. And then I'm just anticipating some of the stuff like Chris was talking about. I'm just, oh, this this could get really interesting. 
I'll tell you, if the new Megadeth album starts with three minutes of weird noodling, <laughs> that will be my number one album of the year. Uh, dude, no <laughs> shit. That'd be so funny if he actually did that. Oh, God. That's great. That's great stuff. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast, man. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, just search Metal Six Podcast. You'll find it. Uh, we're listed in the metal stuff, so you'll find that. Leave us a couple of stars. Tell us what we suck. You can also uh, check us out on Stitcher and all the other podcasting apps. You'll find us all the way around. Just uh, hunt down the Metal Six Podcast. We post it every Monday at metalsucks.net. When you're listening, share it. Tell people, please, just as you're listening, like right now, pause, you know, share you know, and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, welcome back. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, wait, wait. you screwed me up, man. What was I talking about? Uh, oh, uh, find us on Twitter. Yeah. You can yes. uh, do that stuff. I am at bearded ape on Twitter. I am at godless speaks and godless speaks.com. And, uh, you know, from time to time, I'm also, uh, I also do a radio show. So if you listen to metal and you want to hear more music, you can uh, check out at no control radio on Twitter or no control radio.com. That's where I do like a 24 seven metal stream. That's pretty cool. So till next week, I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. You cow! You f-